0: everybody you can be seated well today is a very important day in the life of our church about twice a year we take uh, a sunday out of our schedule and we just kind of focus in on a value that's very important to us and that's the value of serving and so we've kind of affectionately um, called these sundays that we do this serve sunday so everybody welcome to serve sunday I was watching a video recently that a friend sent to me, and it was a video of a a pastor who was standing in an old church. And the church, instead of being filled with pews, was filled with old antiques. And it was a church that was over a hundred years old, and somewhere along the way they had closed their doors. And the pastor just seemed kind of overwhelmed with the reality that for over a hundred years, people had filed in and out of that church to sing hymns and to pray to listen to the word of God being teached to be moved by the ministry and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ but the pastor said somewhere along the way the church people who went there had lost out on a verb or two and people had stopped serving they had stopped caring they had stopped loving one another and once, what was once a place where the, a vibrant gathering of God's people were meeting together was now just a place selling stuff. And a church is just a representation of what is in the hearts and the minds of the people who go to that church. So as go the people, so goes the church. The pastor who was in the video, his name was John Weese. He's a pastor from Kentucky. He made a really important point about verbs he said nouns need verbs nouns need verbs two nouns in particular that i think and think of is the noun christian and the noun church that need verbs action words the new testament followers of christ began to be called christians because the word christian literally means little christ they were being called little Christ because they were imitating the attitudes and the actions of Jesus. They were acting like him, they were talking like him, they were thinking like him, they were serving like him, and ultimately they were willing to suffer like him. And since a church is just a collection of Christ followers, and it's important that a church, and what a church is, is just a, a group of people, a collection of people who act like think like, and talk like, and serve like Jesus serves. It's just so incredibly important for us. If we are going to be a church that continues to live, and continues to thrive, and continues to reach its mission like we have been all of these years, then it is critical that we continue to be a church of action. And if we're going to carry the banner of Christian, of Christ follower, of believer, and it's actually in Absolutely imperative that we carry on the ministry of Christ. And what Christ said That when he came, he said, I have come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So if we want to carry on that banner, then we just have to be and do what Christ did. We have to love like Christ, we have to live like Christ, and we have to serve like Christ served. This morning we're going to be taking a look at a great message that is found in the Gospel of John, the story of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, and there are some really powerful stories as you look really close at specifically the words that Jesus said. It's really, really challenging, I'm just going to warn you, but it's also very, very helpful, it really is. Before that, we're going to take our offering, and then we're going to sing a little bit. And if serving is just giving away something that's important to us, like our time and our energy, then certainly giving of our tithes and offerings is something that is part of the joy that we have of serving one another. So as our hosts take their place, I just want to pray over this joy that we have of serving and our giving together. Father, we just want to thank you for the privilege we have to give today. We love you. We thank you for all that you have done for us, and we want to live lives that are just in line with um, serving you and doing what you called us to do. Thank you for each gift and each giver. We've given either now or online or however they've given to support the ministry of this church. We love you and we thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you today in Jesus' name. Well, um, I want to invite you, if you will, to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 13. And um, we're going to take a look at one, a great... Story of Jesus washing His disciples' feet. It's really a challenging story. There's some really challenging points that Jesus makes in this story. They're a little bit surprising if you really look at the words that Jesus is saying. And so we're going to kind of unpack that a little bit this morning. So hang on, hang on, everybody. One of the things that's very important to us. Here at Westridge is our values. We talk about them a lot. If you come to the partnership class, uh, you'll hear us walk down through all of the things that we value uh, as a church. And the reason that we do this is because our values shape who we are. Values are important because they will ultimately determine uh, what you think and, and how you behave. If you say that you value something, but your behavior doesn't really line up with that value, then chances are you don't really value that thing because values always shape our behavior. I have two children in my home. Actually, I have three children living in my home. I have two biological children, and then I have a six-foot-three, 230-pound eating machine Named Dakota that we have invited into our home to be part of our family over this last this last year. But my two biological children, both um, for the last two or three years in some combination, have worked at God's gift to the chicken sandwich, Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. Can I get an amen? I love Chick-fil-A. Uh, they knew early on that there was going to be no other place for them to work. I would have no, nothing else for them. The other night, uh, we were having dinner together. And it was my daughter Sydney's 17th birthday. We were having dinner for her on her birthday. And uh, she got up and came back to the table, and she brought uh, a drink for me um, at the dinner table. And I just said, well, thank you, honey. And she said, my pleasure, right? <laughs> I mean, you can't go to Chick-fil-A without hearing the words, my pleasure, 15, 20, 89, uh, 200 times before you leave. Because I tell you, the fine people at Chick-fil-A have done a great job teaching their employees their huge value of customer service. In fact, Sidney said, you know what? I don't think the words you're welcome will ever be a part of my vocabulary until I die. The great people at Chick-fil-A have done a great job of, uh, of, uh, of putting forth customer service as one of their values. And you don't have to be around a church very long to see what they value either. You just look at what they uh, what they, how they act, what they say, the way that they think, and you will quickly see what they value. And I, hopefully you don't have to be a part of Westridge for very long. You don't have to be here for very long to see that at Westridge we value people. We value people. It's um, one of the things that we talk about in our partnership class. And we've had the same value since we started the church 17 years ago. Brian, Paul, Dave, and myself, we started We've always had this value, and here's what that value is. People matter to God, and so they ought to matter to us. Amen? You believe that? People matter to God, and so they ought to matter to us. Our words and our actions will demonstrate our love for God by loving others, including those outside of the church. In other words, we're going to be a church that serves people, we're going to be a church that serves people. It's not our desire. We don't want people to come here on a Sunday morning to drive in, come in here, sing a couple of songs, listen to a message, maybe even put a check in, in the bucket, and then get in their car and just go home. We want to be a church where the people here truly connect to the mission and the, and, and the vision that we have here and to make it happen both inside and outside the walls of this building. And nothing less is acceptable to us. It never has been, and I can just tell you it never will be. And so I want to tell you that our hope is that by the end of this day, if you don't already serve either once a week or once a month on a ministry team here at Westridge, that you will feel inclined you will accept the challenge of joining in on a ministry team and really finding uh, some great value for yourself and being part of our mission. So today is also the first day of sign-ups for our community makeover. Community makeover is our biggest collective effort to show the love of God and the love of this church to our community. It's really, really a great thing. And if you haven't been a part of it, you're going to want to sign up after church today um, uh, out in our atrium. So this morning, I want us to look together at this story in the Bible that really teaches the purpose and the value of serving. So let's just take a look at, again, John chapter 13, and we're going to look at this very uh, challenging story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Let's begin with verse 2. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Listen to this. Jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and he had come from God and was going back to God. In other words, he knew exactly what his mission was. He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. When he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So here's what's going on. It's the time of Passover for the nation of Israel. All the Jewish people are gathering from wherever they live and they're coming into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And Jesus and his disciples are going to celebrate uh, Passover in a borrowed room called the Upper Room that they've gathered there to eat the Passover meal. Now, in the days of the New Testament, uh, of course, they didn't have cars, so people walked wherever they went. Many times they would walk for hours Um, on on their way to a destination on these unpaved roads. And they weren't the only ones who were walking on these roads. Uh, All of the animals that the people were escorting with them also were walking these very same paths, these roads. And so I think it would be an an understood and and something that we could easily say um, that people's feet who were wearing sandals and walking on these roads would just have some really filthy, nasty feet. So, it was common in a typical Jewish home that they would have a house servant that would wash anyone's feet as they came in the house at the end of the day. And if there wasn't a house servant, then whoever was considered least in the home would get these foot scrubbing duties. But the upper room where Jesus and his disciples um, were meeting in wasn't a home, it was a rented or a borrowed room. So there wasn't anyone waiting there as they came in the door uh, to wash anyone's feet. Now the disciples could have easily obviously gone in and uh, grabbed a rag and started washing one another's feet, but none of them did. And I think the book of Luke, Luke's account of this story, kind of gives us an insight as to why. Luke says as they were coming in, as they were eating, that they were actually arguing with each other. And I think that what they were arguing about was so ironic in the context of this story. They were arguing about who was greatest, who was going to be most significant in this new kingdom that Jesus was setting up. How incredibly ironic in the background of this story. And in the midst of all this self-centeredness and selfishness on the part of the disciples, Jesus gets up from the table where they were uh, eating And he's going to teach them exactly what it means to live out and to participate in the mission that Jesus has. So scripture says he took off his outer garment and he wrapped a towel around his waist. Now I want you just to kind of really get the picture here. The guys are arguing with each other. Jesus knows that this is his last meal that they're going to share together before before he's going to go out and, and be on a cross within 24 hours from this time. So he gets up takes off all of his clothes except for a thing called his azor, which is kind of like his undergarment, and he takes a towel and he wraps it around his waist. And what I think is really interesting and why I think that that little detail was included in Scripture is because I think that Jesus was not only going to take on the duty of a servant, but he also stripped down and was dressed just like a servant of a household would be dressed. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet. One by one, he took their foot and put it into the basin and took the rag and washed the dirtiness and the nastiness um, from their feet. And these are the same men that in his greatest time of need would abandon him. Peter would act like he never knew Jesus. Judas would uh, sell him out to the religious leaders. Every single one of them would sell him out. But uh, But despite knowing all of that, Jesus never made an excuse not to serve these men. He grabbed the towel and washed each and every one of their feet, including Peter, including Thomas, and including Judas. Jesus was on a mission, and that mission was to serve Mark chapter 10 and not to be served. And so listen to what happened next. Down to verse 12. When he had washed their feet, he put on his outer garment And resumed his place. Then he said to them, listen to this very carefully. Do you understand what I have done to you? Because I can tell you at this point, they did not. He said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to be willing to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. So right here, right in this piece of scripture right here, Jesus is going to give us the most direct reason why serving one another is so critically important for followers of Christ. So if they or you have any questions at all about why we serve, Jesus gives us the answer right here, and here's what it is. We serve because Jesus serves That's our motivation in a nutshell. We serve because Jesus serves. One of the things that I hear all the time at at, at our church, and I actually kind of love it, is when people say, man, your church is just so big. People come in here and and, uh, they see the atrium and they come in here and they see all of you and they go, man, this church is big. And I'm going, yeah, it is. Praise God, it is big. There's a lot of people Who come here? Every year we have grown since we started this church. It is big. There are lots of people here. But listen to me it would be a monumental mistake for you to come in here and to think that because when you come to church on Sunday morning, there are people here to help you park, there is someone here to hold the door for you as you come in the building, to hand you a ministry guide as you walk into this room. That there's somebody here to take care of your child so that you can come in here and sit peacefully and listen to an incredible message like you're getting today. You know what I'm saying? It would also be a mistake for you if you heard that there were 500 people, more than 500 people, that served at Surge a couple of weeks ago. It would be a mistake for you to think that you were either not needed or that it's not important for you to serve. So if you are asking the question genuinely, if you are asking the question this morning, should I serve? Is it important for me to serve? Is it really important for me to serve? The answer is yes. And the reason is because Jesus served. Not because we need you to serve. We do need you to serve. Imagine what would happen if all of us together, if every one of us served one another. Unbelievable. But that's not the reason. The reason that Jesus said that we serve is because he served. Jesus said, I'm your Lord and I'm your teacher, which means I'm your leader and I'm your teacher. He said, so I'm leading you. I'm telling you to serve one another and I'm teaching you to serve one another. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul is writing to uh, his church that he had started in Philippi. And he really gets this by now in his ministry. And so he's urging the Philippian church to just listen to what he is saying here. And he's urging them. And he says in verse 5, Philippians 2 verse 5, says, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, didn't count equality with God something to be grasped. But listen to this, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So Paul is urging his friends to follow Jesus' example, to empty themselves as the servant of the gospel of the good news for mankind. And notice this. He wasn't telling them that it was their responsibility of filling others, but simply emptying themselves. Now, what does that mean? That means that it frees us from owning how someone else is going to respond to our efforts to serve them. It frees us from that. Last year, our journey group took on a project for Community Makeover. There was a family in the church that was really in a time of need. Um, their insurance company had contacted them and told them that if they didn't do some needed repairs on their house, that their insurance company was going to drop them. And, that, and if their insurance company dropped them, they thought that they were going to lose their mortgage and lose their house. And so we uh, signed up to come and help this, um, this uh, couple. And we showed up in force and we painted the, the whole house and we, on the outside and we fixed a bunch of loose boards and we replaced rotten wood. And as a bonus, um, a whole, we took a whole bunch of yard work and we just did our very, very best at it. And we really spruced up that house. It looked incredible. The before and after pictures were so encouraging to see. All the neighbors came over um, and were asking us uh, and inviting us to park in their yards as we would go out and come back because we were parking a ditch across the street. Um, And we worked uh, really hard in that house. But unfortunately, over this last year, they ended up losing the house anyway. And they've moved it to another state. And the house is in worse shape than ever. But listen to me. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What does matter is for that one day, that struggling family knew that people cared for them. For that one day, the neighbors knew that a church was doing what churches are supposed to do, and were coming to the aid of one of its own. And for that day, we had the opportunity to work side by side with all of our kids to show the love and care of Jesus to that family. So when it comes to the true motivation that we have to serve, it's this. Jesus makes it so clear. We serve only because Jesus serves What Jesus says next in this story is, I'm just going to warn you, it's challenging. But it's his words. But it's really, I think, while it's challenging, I think it's very, very helpful to us. For those of us who really want to be true disciples of Christ. After Jesus, um, uh, John 13, verse 16, this is the Son of God speaking. He said, This is true. This is true. I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed or happy you are if you do them. So after Jesus undressed himself until he was in the humble attire of a simple house slave, and in the true humility of love, he washed the wear off of his friend's feet. He told him that he was doing this as an example for them. And he told them that he wanted them to do the very same thing. And so he gave them their motivation to serve each other in the days and in the years to come. Now he's really at this point, in these two verses or three verses that we looked at here uh, just now, he is really putting a seal on that point. If there was any thought among any of these guys that maybe they didn't need to do what Jesus was asking and what Jesus was doing. He was going to destroy any excuse that they might have. And he simply makes this point. You are not greater than me. You're not greater than me. And he's saying to us, we are not greater than Jesus. Now, I don't think that there's anybody in here who would kind of, uh, would, would really say that I think I'm better than Jesus. I think I'm more important. I think I'm, I'm greater than, than Jesus is. I mean, even if you were just kind of trying to decide whether you really even are into this whole Christian thing, I think at the very least you would probably say that you think that Jesus was a good man. He was a, a prophet. He was, helped a whole lot of people. And so I don't think that there's anybody really in this room that would debate the fact that we are not greater than Jesus. And I also know that there are people who are just visiting us and checking out things here. And I just want to tell you that this morning, and uh, if you need a few weeks to do that, you're more than welcome to do that. We're not telling you that you have to jump in and start serving here at this church today. You can if you want, but we're not telling you that you have to do that by any means. But if this is your church, if you come here regularly, and this is where you come on Sundays to worship God... Then as the Westridge family, what I'm saying right now applies to you. There are hundreds and hundreds of people who serve here from week to week. And you help make the mission and the purpose of this church happen each week. But there are also hundreds and hundreds of you who don't. And there are many of you that have been thinking the whole time that I've been speaking this morning about why you cannot serve weekly or bi-weekly or monthly. And if that is you... I want to say as lovingly and as humbly as I know how, that you may not understand this point, that you are not greater than Jesus. Let me unpack this for you for just a second. One of the reasons I hear all the time that people can't serve is just because they're too busy to serve anywhere in the church. And I get it. People are really busy. Families have both mom and dad working uh, they have sports schedules and school schedules. And, uh, and boy, the pressures of life, it just feels like there's not even an extra hour to do anything. But here is the problem, y'all. Here is the problem. Jesus is saying that a servant is not greater than his master or a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And Jesus is staring in the face of his beating, of his mocking, and ultimately of his crucifixion within hours. And not only does he take the time to wash all of his disciples' feet, all of them, but then he takes the time to teach us that it's so important, so critical for us to serve one another in the future, for them to do the same. I think one of the reasons that Jesus picks this particular time to serve his disciples in this way is just to teach them about serving. And, and I think it's because he wants us to see that if he took the time to serve in this critical uh, point in his life with all that he had happening, that it's important enough for us to take the time that whatever we have going on in our lives, we just can't possibly be more important than Jesus. We can't possibly have more honest than what Jesus had on him. And I think that Jesus just wanted to help us with this conflict that we feel and just put a nail in the coffin of the busy excuse. Another thing that I think keeps us from serving is just that I think we might believe that we are too important to serve. Now, I know that no one here would ever say that they believe that they are more important or too important to serve at church or really to serve anywhere else. In fact, I don't think that there are any people here that would even think that way. But let me just unpack this thought with you for a moment and and to help you see that without knowing it, you might actually have that attitude and be completely unaware of it because I think that that can happen. I've been in full-time ministry as a pastor for some 25 years. Um, For the first part of my ministry, I was a student pastor in Boca Raton, Florida. When I came here, I served for the first 13 years um, as the worship pastor here. Then I took a couple of years and uh, went out, and I served as the campus pastor at one of the campuses we were starting. And for the last few years, I've had the responsibility of being the connections pastor. And what I do here is really to help people connect, to find their place into the ministry, both uh, either through a group or through joining into a ministry team. And over these past 25 years, um, a constant part of my job is to find and to lead volunteers uh, to help accomplish the ministry that I was uh, leading at the time. So let me tell you, there are ministry roles in all of those things that I was doing that are easy to fill. And there are ministry areas that are very difficult to fill. There are things that a lot of people want to do that they would feel like would be fun or interesting or challenging or whatever... And there are things that very few people want to do because most people just don't find it very enjoyable and they just don't like it. So I hope that you see where I'm going. What I'm saying is this, that I think that Jesus was someone, I don't think that Jesus was someone who just loved dirty feet. I don't think he was a subscriber to any foot washing magazines or part of any uh, uh, foot-cleaning clubs, he was the son of God. In fact, he was God. He was the savior of the world, and yet he didn't find it beneath him to pick up a wash rag and wipe the dirt and the dung off of the feet of the guys who were around him. Jesus just saw something that needed to be done. And he saw an opportunity to bring relief and love and care to the disciples. And he took it upon himself to do what was needed. So if there isn't anything that's beneath Jesus to do in service, then I can't think of anything at all on the face of this planet that would be beneath any of us. Now, with that being said, we believe because the Scripture says that each of us have different gifts and personalities that we bring to the table. They're given to us by God, and they make us uniquely qualified to help to serve the church and the community. And we're pretty good, as I said earlier, about helping you find a place where you can serve um, and use those gifts pretty well. But what I'm talking about here is an attitude that if I can't do what I want, when I want, then I'm just not gonna do anything. Does that make sense? I think Jesus just wanted to make the point to us that we are not greater than Jesus. There's another reason that I think that keeps people from serving and participating at church. Many of us have done things in our lives in our past, even in our recent past, that makes us feel that we have no business at all. We're unworthy to serve on a team at church. You might say to me, if you knew what I've done or the struggle that I have, the temptations that I feel, the mistakes that I make, I doubt you would want me to be a part of your team. And listen to me. You would be absolutely wrong. And here is why. Whatever you have done, whatever you are working through, whatever challenges are are yours to live for Jesus, those things are not greater than Jesus. Amen? Those things are not greater than Jesus. If the criteria to serve here is to have all of your stuff together without any issues, then none of us would be serving. All of us serve here by the grace of God and only through the constant repentance and forgiveness are we made suitable by God's power to serve and not our own. Your sin is not greater than Jesus' forgiveness. So in closing, I just want to say this to you. Every week... Some 900 people serve here at Westridge. In a given month, that number is much higher. And listen, they will serve next week, and they will serve the week after that, and they'll serve the week after that. We do a Sunday like today, Serve Sunday, not because we are desperate to help, for help. We are not. Our uh, uh, ministry teams are absolutely incredible, they're very, very healthy. We have a Sunday like today and and we bring a message to you like today, like we are today, because we believe very strongly in the message of John 10.10. John 10.10 says the evil one has come into this world to kill you and to destroy your spiritual life, but Jesus has come that you might have life and have it abundantly, and I think that Jesus gave his life on the cross for this church, and he wants you to enjoy every minute Every aspect of it. So listen to this. You will never experience what the church can do for you until you experience what the church can do through you. You will never experience what the church can do for you until you experience what the church can do through you. Jesus didn't passionately show us and teach us to serve because for some reason he needed our help to accomplish what his goals were for the world. He is inviting us in. He's inviting us into the countercultural beauty of giving your life away so you will find it. I was thinking a lot about this message over the last few weeks, and God really put something in my heart that I'm not sure that I'd ever really thought of before. One of the reasons that I think that Jesus was so passionate about us serving one another Why he leaves no room for any excuse at all. And why he gives us the greatest motivation to serve is for this. When we came as unbelievers to God, we brought nothing to the table. We came completely empty-handed before Jesus. Jesus brought everything. We didn't bring anything And I think Jesus, just like communion and baptism, wants us to continue to serve one another for this reason, so that there is a constant reminder in our life that living for Christ and living in Christ is not about us. It is not about us. And Jesus wants to teach us to constantly give away, give away, give away that we'll live in constant understanding that it's not about us.